Thank you to Yeji for uh, sipping on a drink for us. Um, Joe, should President Donald Trump get on his Twitter and harangue Tom Petty for dying? Would that solve our problem of not having any more Tom Petty? Wow. Uh, really going in. I thought you were going to ask if he should harangue Eminem or try and spit some verses back at him. Uh, which, uh, you know, I think well, wait, he be, should absolutely do that. I totally yeah, want that to happen. Yeah, I'd be on board with that. I mean, yeah, I mean, if if any time a celebrity died, uh, Donald Trump berated them for being so weak, uh-huh. uh, sad, and pathetic for dying. <laughs> uh, I would find that amusing. Folks, that, we're going to be living so much, you'll be tired of all the winning. <laughs> I guess they got tired of winning. They just didn't want to win anymore. Uh, yeah, pathetic. <laughs> I uh, I don't know. I feel like he's uh, he's tilted at every other unslayable dragon from his uh, Twitter app. I don't see why death should, you know, be the one thing that he just accepts. Him, um, Donald Trump challenging death itself would be a battle that I would finally be on board with. Unfortunately, that probably means we would all uh, be, uh, you know bathed in the flames of nuclear war (laughs) i'm still rooting for death here there's no question yeah yeah um someone i was listening to um uh, maybe it was our uh you know a a podcast almost as as successful as ours chapo trap house and they, (laughs) they they really brought up the point that you know donald trump is like the classic person who keeps like thinking bigger and bigger things will make him happy. And it's like just so yeah. obvious that he's going to be like nuclear war is what's going to make me happy. Like he's going to get there. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean the good news. And I realize that every time I've had an optimistic political thought in the last uh, 18 months, it has been a disaster, but the good news seems to be that at this point, all the people around him are just straight up in damage control keep him from setting the world on fire mode like he's fired all the crazy ideologues and now it's just harried assholes of the regular sort who um are trying to just limit the damage to twitter yeah Um, (laughs) yes yes um i i i tend to agree um i I think we may avoid nuclear war but everything else terrible will happen (laughs) exactly be around to witness it <laughs> yeah so we won't die in before the misery happens as um, as crusty the clown says uh i think the living will envy the dead
Welcome to Savage Beast. Uh, I'm Joe Gallagher, uh, and with me, as always, uh, the man who made a million dollars selling uh, hoarded Szechuan sauce packets on eBay <laughs> is Paul McLeod. Joe, it was um, a really uh, boosting that McDonald's truck was the second happiest moment of my life after the birth of my first of three children. Um, because yeah. it's made me a rich man and will put one of them through college at current inflation rates, um, mm-hmm. which is good enough. All you can really expect from a single truck heist. Uh, the, <laughs> the Paul McLeod chair for the Szechuan <laughs> arts. <laughs> the Paul McLeod chair, the, the, the Paul McLeod endowed chair of, uh, of sauce arts and animation. Is, yes. Uh, yes. The way it'll go. Yes, it'd really be for perverted, uh, <laughs> perverted studies. <laughs> what would you really endow a chair for? I mean, do you want my serious answer? It'll be I boring. Want, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Bore us. Uh, it would probably be like um, for the resuscitation of the corpse of classical liber- liber- liberalism. Blah. I can't talk. Um, so uh, I would at least give it a catchy name, I guess. I guess you might force them to like name some school like the De Tu you know, how do you say his name? De Tocqueville. Oh yeah. Like the De Tocqueville <laughs> school. For it seems like it may seem to you like I'm a, a huge De Tocqueville stan, which I do like him, but that's just because his book is a thousand pages long and I've been reading it for a long time. Ah, uh it'll yeah. do it. Yeah. Um anyway, it's um, like, it's he, like- he is good. It's like reading remember, uh, Remembrance of Things Past. It's like once you're on volume five, you you just have to say it's one of your favorite authors because you're like 5,000 pages in. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying like I bring him up because I've been reading him. So you're like, oh, yes. this guy must love to talk about It's like, no, it's just still on this book. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Paul, we opened this episode with Yeji, uh, a, mm-hmm. s- uh, I think a Korean-American rapper or maybe oh, Korean. She, she lives in I thought New it was York. just straight up South Korean. Okay. Well, I, I don't know. She's in New York now. You okay. know how that goes. Um uh <laughs> Was that racist? I can't tell. No, no it wasn't. <laughs> um but we'll get there shortly. Um first off, she's uh his amazing beats, uh a fine fine uh, uh flow and looks like a uh a, a she's on the debate team and that's yeah. i promise you that's not racist just if you look at her composure yeah. it seems like she's on the debate team uh and i, I say that as a debate former debate team member and mm-hmm. it, or like a maybe like a soccer mom i don't know it's like a soccer mom dancing to these uh she's she's dressed like a mom in 1993 who was like going to her kids recital or something and maybe that's just like you know stylish now yeah that's it's entirely possible that this is the hottest thing for uh the hipsters of today and we are just old and out of touch in which case thank god for that um uh, although i do enjoy her styles and she was uh her she is a uh, uh she's hyped uh by a uh uh outfit i don't know what they are youtube channel called 88 rising uh, which mm. bring a lot of Korean and Southeast Asian rappers, most famous for uh, uh, discovering, promoting Rich Chiga. 
<laughs> Which that's my question is is it is it racist for me to say chiga? I'm really know. unsure. Um Me too. We did we did know a guy in high school who wanted to be called that. So I don't that's know. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, um I have no idea. The the other thing racist going on here is 88 is of course an alt right yes uh, number because of Heil Hitler the eighth letter of the alphabet is H. Well, I f- uh, I figured it must have some meaning that that is brought, you know, uh Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't side of that culture. Yeah. I mean, obviously they don't mean it that way, but it's like it's like one of those things like if you accidentally put a swastika in your logo innocently uh you still need to change it right (laughs) um but uh i don't think 88 is quite there yet so um well god bless yeji and uh and genius who i was curious how they would handle this they actually write the lyrics in korean and english uh right on top of each other on the genius page Mm. for this song so now i know what she's talking about called the uh, the number 88 uh, uh-huh. uh, symbolizes fortune and good luck in Chinese culture since I the see. word eight sounds similar to the word fa which implies wealth I don't know I'm getting something like that it's one of those I, I feel like the Chinese like have a lot of like rhyming slang that gets mm-hmm. to these things uh, it's kind of uh, I'm yeah. sure it's I'm sure it's cool if you understand it <laughs> Joe, what are we actually talking about today? Uh, well, we're going to start by talking about uh, uh, the dearly departed uh, Tom Petty. God bless him. Yes. Um, and uh, I think uh, he died two weeks ago. Uh, mm-hmm. I th- Basically the same within 24 hours of uh, uh, yet another madman just like shooting a whole fuck ton of people. That was oh, yeah. right, right the same time. Yeah. Um, <sighs> which honestly, I'm I'm surprised it's been two weeks. I'm surprised there hasn't been another mass killing like in between, uh, <laughs> like then and now. Are you saying because they are so thick on the ground that you expect us to have run into one, or because it would have inspired something? No, they're just they're they just happen all the time. It's like oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well. If- it probably has, and it was, you know, four people, and nobody paid attention. Well, it was, uh, I mean, you know, it was the, like, uh, Buddhists in Myanmar massacring Rohingya Muslims. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just ongoing, or <laughs> the United, the Saudi Arabians flying jets fueled by Americans yes. who are doing that to Yemenis. 
Um, the New York Times. You know. The New York Times had an article about uh, about Myanmar, like on the homepage today, and the the headline was like, "They threw my baby in the fire," and I was just like, oh, "Come, God. come on." Yeah. No, it's especially is, for you being a new father. I'm you just like that's like, yeah. that's clickbait. I'm sorry. That's that's like dark clickbait or something. Well, absolutely. I yeah. mean, uh, what is all of local news but a, a half hour each day of dark eye bait? I guess. Yes. Um, but anyway, uh, anyway. Yeah, Tom Petty. Let's return to something happy. Yes. Tom Petty is dead. Tom um, Petty is dead. Yeah, that actually sucks, just to be clear. It does. Um, yeah, were we going to do a draft, or were we just going to talk about how cool Tom Petty was? I think we're going to skip the Tom Petty draft, because I really okay. couldn't... I, I would skip it, because I really couldn't figure out how which of his songs he liked better. I I liked better. That's totally valid, because... Uh, yeah. That, that was once my canonical opinion, and listening to it again, I was sort of like, well, I can differentiate a little, but... Uh, mostly he just has a lot of really good songs. My opinion used to be one that is wrong, which is that um, uh, Tom Petty has a whole bunch of songs and I like them all and none of them are great. And actually, uh, hopefully you're not hearing my dog growl in the background. Anyway. um, My dog has been on this podcast so many times. I know, exactly. (laughs) I was thinking about that. Anyway, um, you know, and actually, he's his songs are so much better than like I like them. Like he's, uh, this is I don't know that I'm going to be able to elucidate for anybody why Tom Petty's songs are so good, but he, it's amazing how many really excellent songs he has that are just totally like mainstream. Uh, you know, they're rock, but really in the pop tradition of just being like you know fun, cool, catchy you know, often sad, not necessarily just fun, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pop songs and uh, in the rock mode. And it's just rare for anybody working like that, just making mainstream pop type music to have like 15 songs that I think are really good. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that I, I read a quote that that said, you know, he was talking about like the first time he really got up on a band it got up as a band, you know, in Gainesville uh, with, mm-hmm. uh, I think his name's a band called Mud Clutch or something. I forget. Mud, Mud Crutch, which Mud Crutch. I I am continuously astonished was not the name of a new metal band. Yeah. Um, and so instead close. was Tom Petty's like early 70s roots rock band. It has, a, it has a swampy Florida feel to it. I guess, but Mud Crutch sounds like, you know. I mean, puddle yeah. of mud. It's pretty close to that. Mud honey. Um. Yeah. Anyway, uh, mud honey was decent. Uh, anyway, go on. <laughs> well, yeah, he just he he just said so well. Like the first time he got up there, they counted four, and then rock music came out. He said it was it's like remained like the coolest thing that ever happened to him. That just like yes, rock was suddenly playing, and he was playing it. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, yeah, you know, I I, I my he has this certain uh, quality to him that you, you can't get your hands around. Um, yeah. Like I, I, I was thinking like, I wish I had a, like a definitive, a definitive Tom Petty story, like, like mm-hmm. how he defected me, but really it's just kind of the story of me loving rock music. And like he, his music's been there like the entire time that yeah. I've been like listening to rock, like his, and well, always literally, been 
well before both of our births. Well, I, yes, <laughs> yes. But I mean, like, he, yeah. he, right, true. And I mean, but I think that, like, in a way that, uh, I don't know, other quote unquote classic rock, I mean, it's not like yeah. Led Zeppelin or Bruce Springsteen or these other bands were kind of like, I don't know, they, they don't feel as quite even as essential as Tom Petty, which I mean, it's, and that's not meant mm. to be what's good or bad. It's just like, he has this consistent quality, uh, yeah. persistence. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's astonishing that some of his best songs were released on his like greatest hits and solo albums in the early nineties, like 15 years into his career, which again, for a pop musician, I guess Beyonce has done something like that, but yeah, that, that puts him on Beyonce level, if you think about it that way. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, which uh, I'm not the world's hugest Beyonce fan, but she's undeniably accomplished an incredibly uh, uh, respectable amount of stuff in her career. Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting you compare them to Led Zeppelin and at all, at all those types of classic rock bands, because. Um, you know, I think I do like the likes of Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd or some of those really uh, essential older acts more than Tom Petty. Sure, sure. Um, be- if only because they pretend towards the sort of like highbrow art that I enjoy. Yeah. It seems sort of funny to say that about Led Zeppelin, who mostly just seemed like four really talented horny guys. But um, <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> but there's some grandiosity that appeals to me. Um, so Tom Petty, I was I was looking up his Wikipedia page. Uh, that's that's what you do for podcasts is you read Wikipedia pages. Um, and uh, they said he was uh, at the forefront of the Heartland Rock uh, movement, along with Bob Seger uh, and um, John Cougar Mellencamp and. Uh, uh, the big Bruce Springsteen, which is a way I had never really grouped those people in my mind. I hadn't considered him like, oh, this is a contemporary is, of Bruce Springsteen's. But then that because two of those those musicians are really good, and the other two are <laughs> really bad. Yeah, so undoubtedly that's true. But I see the stylistic similarities at the same time, which is that it's sort of like it really is. Uh, you know, usually when things are like punk rock you know yeah. was a reaction against um against uh prog rock or whatever and uh but its ideology ends up being just as um vicious and as stifling as the ideology they're reacting against whereas something like this these heartland rock artists quality pushed to the side style wise um do seem like just sort of like it's it obviously can't be ideology free tom petty's even talked about you know their conception of themselves as just a rock band and not a punk rock band or a synth rock band or anything else but it feels more just natural uh you know there's it it feels like there's less intentional setting oneself up in a certain style and um as you said a couple of those artists blow um (laughs) but um there's uh so it, old time uh, rock and roll. <laughs> that song is so fucking bad now see that's an example of how there actually is a lot of ideology to this type of thing because that song is explicit about wanting to be a certain type of old time rock and roll um so i don't know what i'm talking about even but uh when tom petty is doing his thing you tend to just 
forget about genres and styles and coolness and just enjoy a good pop song, really. Yeah, I mean, I actually read that I think part of that movement was defined by the rejection of seven, of the 70s ideal of the rock star as like a fashion icon or a, a countercultural force. Right. It's sort of a much more of a slacker, dirtbag, yeah. just everyman vibe. Yeah, I mean, I looked at a picture of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers in the 70s, and I mean, how many... It's weird even to look at a picture of a rock band where the lead singer is by far the ugliest guy. Yes. Um, and they that's, were, right. And they were yeah. like dad rock at the age of 17. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Maybe that's um, what it is. Maybe they're, they've just, they just put out like 40 straight years of excellent dad rock. And that's what Tom Petty is. But I, I mean, I also think that maybe I th- what makes Tom Petty is so captivating and also so difficult to pin down is that I think he believed in making rock and roll simply because he loved rock and roll. I mean, he just, he thought it was justification in and of itself and it didn't need, uh, you know, it it didn't have any of these trappings of like telling a grand story or, you know, representing yeah, you know, God or country. It wasn't like deep art. It was just like rock, or or being like some sort of innovative technical genius of musicianship in any fashion. It was just, yeah, you're gonna have a good time listening to this. Yeah, and that's like that sort of empty nature of of rock. I mean, there's sort of like an uh, maybe like I don't know empty, but like there's like a hollowness there. But that's still like there's still room for something, some human truth within that um i don't know yeah we can we can get to that but we, we can I don't, we could debate what that was but um you know it, well you know that is interesting though it's like am i wrong that i don't think of tom petty as you know despite all the praise i just foisted upon him and i think his music is uh again it's amazing how many great songs he wrote and you know he if he were born in 20 years later or something he might have been like a max martin like just producing pop songs for uh sexier younger artists <laughs> for a long time Possibly. um i i mean i i hope that wouldn't be true i'm just saying that you know the the rewards to that type of talent are generally pushed towards the teen pop into the spectrum nowadays um and I, I, I honestly think that's like what is good about Tom Petty is he was just an amazing song. And maybe there are other people in the band who contributed, um, although his solo songs sound good in exactly the same way as his band songs. So I don't know about that. <laughs> I've never figured out the difference. <laughs> there's, there's none as far as I could tell. And I remember on the behind the music from Tom Petty back on VH1 in the 90s, um, like they talked about like why is Tom Petty doing solo albums and the drummer was just like yeah I don't know it sort of fucking pisses me off where <laughs> the band was already called Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers um and uh, I don't know if he got over that but I agree it's never been clear why that needed to happen that way um but uh anyway to get back to a point like three points ago in this ramble um the the thing I feel uh, about Tom Petty is like this is really fun music that's a good time and I enjoy it. But I, if I were to start listing like the musicians I admire the most, 
Tom Petty wouldn't come close to the list. And is that just me being a snob or is there actually something less impressive about being that type of musician? You mean because he didn't aspire to. Yeah. There's no like pretension towards greatness at all. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I think that is maybe. And maybe that's not the salient difference, but. You no, know, that's, that's, that's my best idea right now. It's, it's the conundrum. I mean, it's, you know, when you think about Pink Floyd, yeah, they aspired to sort of galactic significance to their songs. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they were like, you know, they're, uh, the wall is about like, you know, the nature of celebrity and also destroying like the British society for something that, you know, there, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot there. And, that there's just none of that in Tom Petty's songs. Right. I mean, I would even say that like purposely issues insight. Um, (laughs) It it looks to be sort of that blank canvas or these, like, as I said, like empty sentiments. And I I don't know whether that. Not necessarily empty, just like small scale and un. Yeah. Not weird. You know, it's just like, Right, everyday like, type of things. Yeah, and it's it's like you maybe you're you're wondering whether like whether free falling, whether that you know, yeah, you feel that connection to it. But is that just because it's great pop music, or is there something um, kind of is there like an abstract but yeah. significant art within it, or or is just great pop music? Should that be considered a pejorative, or should it be considered as as good as anything else could be? Um, yeah well that's yeah I I have I mean I don't know I have a sep I have separate thoughts on that I kind of I tend to think that pop music is more like a different art than like sort of the traditional or like sort of the 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 true like kind of emotional beauty that you know is in well I guess well pop music is more of a craft that's what I'm getting at is that difference um I don't know I think you're right that there's ambition and degree of difficulty count for something. Um, But on the other hand, it's really fucking difficult to uh, work with the same four chords everybody else is doing and yet be miles better than the, than almost everybody else at writing songs that way. Yeah. And I mean, I think final, final thing that occurred to me is that, you know, maybe Tom Petty is more less about the, the dialogue in the songs and more about like his his character mm-hmm. like it's more the story of this somewhat consistent narrator i'm not saying there's like a story throughout his songs but yeah like somewhat consistent narrator and kind of his you know uh small small adventures or like unimportant yeah. journeys you know it's it's more those stories and kind of that uh, the the yellow light of imperfection that sh- <laughs> still shows everything. Um, uh, it, it's I don't know. I think that I think that might be perhaps a place where this is resolved a bit. Is that you know there's there's a different kind of literature here yeah. than uh, the heavy existential uh, uh, pretensions that we tend to look for yeah and you know you you also made me think with that about the the way the tom petty persona it doesn't feel like 
oh, I'm listening to Tom Petty's Innermost Thoughts. It's not like, uh, it's not the so idiosyncratic that it has to be just Tom Petty. Like the way, um, you know, even if you can relate to a Billy Corgan heartbreak song, you you're very conscious of the fact that this is Billy Corgan talking about Billy Corgan's life. Um, again, we have to bring up Billy Corgan. Um, even <laughs> if you can connect your own life to it, right? Whereas with Tom Petty, without feeling empty necessarily or uh, disingenuous, uh, he or or cynical the way like most country songs that do this or most pop songs that do this feel to me. Um, he's sort of just narrating the air, every man's thoughts in a way that's still touching despite its non-specificity, which is a really hard thing to do. Like when I listen to a song like Stronger by Kelly Clarkson, all I can think about is how this song has been like purposefully written so as to manipulate me into being like, oh, that's me. Um, you know, what doesn't kill me does make me stronger. Um, whereas with Tom Petty, even though there's nothing specific to anybody, any particular person's life, it feels it feels interesting and touching none the same nonetheless yeah uh, none the same none the um, same i like it <laughs> all the less um anyway uh and you know maybe this is you remember a, over a year ago probably when we uh talked about chuck Klosterman's absurd proposition that chuck berry would be the uh the quintessence of rock as remembered oh, yes. in the future oh yes yeah, I mean, I think that argument kind of actually works for Tom Petty in that people will be able to look back on Tom Petty and be like, they will feel like they're coming to understand late 20th century America a little bit through this sort of semi-generic but still well-crafted uh, representation of the common man. Yeah, I, I buy that. I mean, I do buy that there is, you can explain what rock and roll is by playing someone Tom Petty probably as well as playing them anything else. Certainly if you're going to play six songs from one artist, Tom Petty is probably, yeah, he he could be the clearest example. Maybe me, you know, that's actually a great point. Like I hadn't thought to take it that step further, but yeah, if somebody was like, I have no idea what rock and roll is. I was frozen in the year 1930 and now I'm alive. I'd be like, I, I couldn't do much better than Tom Petty to just show them what the general points of the style are, you know? Right, right. Beethoven returns. He's like, what's rock and roll? However, you say <laughs> that in German. And just play him some Tom Petty. Absolutely. And then he's uh, like, I'm deaf. I, this doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. Beethoven gets to come back to life, but not get his hearing restored. Yeah, that would, um, be, that would be rough. Um, yeah. Paul, what anything, anything, oh, I have one final Tom Petty question. Did you, in, when we were considering sort of mm-hmm. doing a Tom Petty uh, song draft, what did you, did you decide that what song you would pick first? Yeah, I think uh, Last Dance with Mary Jane, which again yeah. is a song from like his greatest hits compilation, which yeah. I don't think that's probably true for any other artist in the world of any merit that I would choose their bonus single from their greatest hits compilation is their best song yeah rick rick rubin produced of course um uh i that i think that was gonna be my first choice too i was oh damn narrowly beat out free falling but um 
another excellent one if if i'd got if we'd done like a 10 song draft or something i'm i probably like any of my top 10 songs i'd have been like well i'm happy to have these yeah again like i said (laughs) he has a shitload of songs that are like i'm happy when i hear them which is is so rare for me and ubiquitous pop songs usually i hate them by the eighth time i've heard them yeah um yeah so yeah i one other note i'll make i guess is that uh um, I had heard this song before, but not really paid attention to it. But you got lucky. His sort of like weird, uh, uh, detuned synth song from like 1983 is surprisingly excellent and uh, and interesting. Actually, um, Ooh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, you'll you'll know it as soon as you hear it. I'm sure, which is probably true of every Tom Petty song. I found um, out. I found out. Um, uh, it's the dark way to find it out, but that. Um, I thought I was one of the few people who liked his song Walls uh, from the late 90s album, the She's the One soundtrack, um, <laughs> which he did the whole soundtrack for, and it's really good. Uh, oh, damn. But the, the lead single, Walls, is uh, uh, fantastic, um, and I saw a lot of people quoting it. I was like, oh, I'm not the only one. Such surprise, surprise. Um, other people yeah. have found a good Tom Petty song <laughs> I mean the other thing is that our milieu like she's the one is a nostalgia uh, piece for our generation so I've never never seen it <laughs> N- me neither but we are weird pretentious snobs so that's why um, I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of those bad movies though I've seen yeah. she's all that and 10 things I hate about you although 10 things I hate about you is actually good see I haven't seen any of those if yeah. uh, we were discussing in chat. I watched Cruel Intentions for the first time last night. Uh, um, this is now a late '90s movie pod. Um, oh man, I thought Taylor said he'd watched Cruel Intentions. Wow, I think I had you two reversed in that conversation. Oh wow. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> well, we should do a podcast about our group chat. Anyway, um, uh, yeah. So Cruel Intentions was fun. I've always confused it with 10 Things I Hate About You in my head. So should I watch 10 Things I Hate About You next, Joe? Well, yes, because 10 Things I Hate About You has uh, Heath Ledger yeah. and uh, Julia Stiles. Is it Julia? It's Julia Stiles, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. And, and, and they're both fantastic in a teen movie. And it's got this like great, uh, you know, it's like a dumbass ripoff of Taming of the Shrew, which is fun. Oh, that's what it is. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, so that it has this stupid plot where like the one girl can't date until her older sister dates. And, oh, uh, right. One of know, those things that made sense in Elizabethan times and makes absolutely no fucking sense now. <laughs> yes. Um, so that, that makes it fun. Um, yeah. And, you know, we, we, I'm on board with kind of retconning every, Heath Ledger performance as a subtle masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. All right, Joe, let's move on to our next segment. Speaking of the late 90s, what yes. a segue. Yes.
Hailing, uh, Instant Messenger. Uh, or AIM, AIM, as we all. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a mercy killing at this point, I don't think. Uh, I'm sure there are a few holdouts that use it for some feature or another, but I think it's pretty much a, a dead a dead zone anyway. How uh, how incompetent do you have to be to have AIM in the year 2000 and by like 2005 be fucking irrelevant? Um, you know? Yeah, yeah. Everybody was on there. I didn't know anybody our age who wasn't using AIM but, uh, but was using something else. You yeah, know? And, and I'm even surprised that like, you know, people in my office 10 years younger than me, um, they were all on it too because they yeah. had it like from ages like 12 onward exactly know, or, or whatever like it was so well they were like the first generation where it's like you could instant mes- messaging exists as soon as you were ready for it you know right w- when we got on it we it was like oh shit this is possible now i can just type something and it shows up on somebody else's screen immediately yes, yes. you know it was wow <laughs> it was kind of um shocking in that way yeah anyway it the music still- tie in here Oh, it might ahead. still be better than text. I feel like it was more immediate than texting. I, oh, I'm sure it is. It was, yeah. yeah. Maybe that's because phones kind of, like, typing to someone on a phone sucks compared it's to just so bad. lounging yeah. in your dorm room, typing to them on your massive PC. Yeah. Like, that That was just a luxurious experience. It was like the 70s. It was like, you know, late 90s PCs or, like, late 70s Cadillacs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, or like late seventies amplifiers. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I love it. So our our music tie-in here is that. Uh, uh, let me look up. Do you have the article open? Of course, I forgot to keep it open. Um, yeah. I need to credit the fine man uh, who. Yeah, it's uh, Jeremy Larson. Okay. Yeah, Jeremy Larson. A man heretofore unknown to me um, wrote a fine column about called "Lyrics as Your Aim Away Message: An Appreciation uh, for Pitchfork" mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. upon the announcement of Aim's impending death, um, which immediately resonated with me because "Lyrics as Your Aim Away Message" were the go-to way to. Um, I mean, I think he doesn't. He makes a lot of good points in this column, but I don't think he makes this one that it's. You know, he he does point out that it's a it was a great way to sort of uh, give people a sometimes passive aggressive status update about your emotional state. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, just all the time, always passive aggressive. Yeah, ninety five percent passive aggressive. Just, just fishing for people to be like, "Hey, man, how's it going?" Um, and but at the same time, as you're sort of uh, trying to. Uh, pull them in to feel feel pity and sympathy for you um you're also using your obscure reference to uh some uh again uh uh, art band favored by the snobs to um assert your uh, aesthetic dominance over your uh, mud blood rivals uh at the same time so, um, <laughs> yes, I don't know. Yes, that's that's like the darkest was, way I could put it, but it <laughs> I don't know if there are more nuances you can find. 
<laughs> it definitely in some in some way uh, served a, a purpose similar to this podcast in that it was proving to people <laughs> that I knew more about music and liked better music than they did. Absolutely, of course. <laughs> uh, uh, and um, it's you know it's interesting actually that like uh, on our uh, first meaningful musical music episode. Uh, episode five, I believe. Um, we went to, when I was. Uh, that was played, our fifth episode. Yeah. Um, Damn. We got good fast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we played Not a Surf's uh, Icebox, which was one of yes. my picks, and you remembered the chorus from my um, not yes. my aim away message, but from my you know profile, which was a similar longer form thing where you you know right clicked on someone and and read like. Yes. Their like little profile description. And I, I had the Larry, and it's just interesting that it was like it was a pretty impactful. Maybe because it was like early on, and and there weren't you know endless places to see where people to for people to like express themselves on the internet. That the yeah, were, Facebook did not exist. Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, we used to make our own dumbass personal websites. Mine much worse than yours. Because we were nerds who knew HTML, but basically yes. that wasn't possible for most people. I mean, I, I paid, uh, not to get too far down this road, but I, for my website, uh, iceage.org, uh, <laughs> I paid uh, $100 a year for the domain name. <laughs> just, just so I could enjoy your actually extremely weird website that I wrote a literal college paper on. There you um, go. I should find that and see how how ridiculous it was. You should because I unfortunately like I lost uh I basically lost uh the that website like all the cool stuff I'd done from it. Um <laughs> which is sad but I'm also okay with uh remembering it's it. It's probably better not to know, and I say this as somebody who liked that website. So, yeah. So, I mean, any anyway, to get back to the yeah. topic, like I am really interested in this because I think we talk a lot about how technology mediates our enjoyment of music, or like how we mm -hmm. listen to music, and I do wonder when we think about these away messages, like what it what quality there is to like putting like this talisman of lyrics like up on mm -hmm. up there and and leaving it for others and i mean it was like i guess it was extreme it was just a way to be emo um, yes for sure um and maybe then my question is that you know was there something you know particularly special about aim or was it just that like that's what there was when we were that age. Like, I mean, so because, uh, and it, it, well, I'll let you get to the question. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I, as far as the basic technology of AIM, the salient features were one, the usernames. Um, so uh, unlike with a phone where you have a company issued, you know, meaningless number to identify you that, um, your friend will choose what label to put to associate with that so they know who you are when you text them. Unlike that, you had your um, your username that you self-styled and that nobody could really ch do anything about. Um, 
So, you know, I went straight for music with mine and did Weezer SP, SP yes. for Smashing Pumpkins, because they were my two favorite <laughs> bands at the time, which is both nerdy and awesome that I got that one and there were no fucking numbers in it. Um, and uh, so that was one thing is that, you know, when you talk to somebody on AIM, you were very conscious of the self-branding they did through their choice of screen name. Um, like, I still think of Loco Joe, which was your name, or... As you, you know, when we were talking about this with all our friends, we, you were immediately able to pull out all the, all their AIM screen names from memory just from having IM'd them like a million times in 11th grade. Um, so that's one aspect of it. Uh, another thing that was unique about it compared to what we have now, um, you know, the, the, the format of plain text on a screen is basically the same. But really, then the other, th the other thing is that you had these two fields that you could fill in the away message and the profile that were a way to put a little bit of information to broadcast something without the burden of feeling like you were forcing it on one particular person. Like if I, if you yes. put bury me in sorrow, cover me in joy as a message to me, like that's something I have to deal with. Right. Um, and you wouldn't therefore have the courage to sort of put that sentiment out there probably. But if I'm reading it in your profile, um, it's actually freeing to some extent because you can put it out there and somebody can say something about it or not. And I can also look at it and read it and think about it and uh, consider what that means about you or not uh, as I choose. And it can be something that you know affects our conversation implicitly or explicitly. So those are sort of interesting bits that's like, it's like just three little extra things on top of the text message format that we mostly use now that are interesting, um, interesting little additions to the whole uh, interaction. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a way to text all your friends while texting none of them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I definitely got, I feel like I got in trouble a couple times for making it too obvious, like who I was passive aggressively like, passive <laughs> talking about. Um, it was it was always a girl. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and it, it's we don't have the version of that today. Like even just like tweeting. I mean, people is it was the fact like just like tweeting angsty song lyrics. Like who's gonna see it? Or even your Facebook status message. Like yeah, you know, I guess there was a brief time where all your friends saw that maybe until the algorithm kind of crushed that. But. You and, know, and you know, there was that, it was like two years where it felt like, where there were literal articles about you have to be on Facebook or else you'll be a social outcast. Yes. And then like after two years, it was like, actually, it's fine. Nobody yeah. gives a shit, you know? Well, and so, so there's no platform where everybody is anymore. Like except yeah. for the purposeful group text message we have with our close friends, there's nowhere where I can find everybody consistently. So that is like sort of the, uh, the, yeah. the, the defining feature it's true that that it that you had this group of friends that was a captive audience it was like mm -hmm. everyone you knew like it was like it, it, there was a vast there wasn't uh, enough proliferation of yes, options to scatter yes. people yet like i was talking to like people i'd like met at like high school debate camps um you know like on that and at the same time like talking to like my best high school friends and new college friends uh, and it was just a weird collection <laughs> of everyone. Uh, I don't know. And that, and that, 
then uh, we all did something different with that power. Some of mm-hmm. us used it more responsibly than others. <laughs> yeah, for me, I mean, so the reason lyrics from my favorite songs were attractive was that I spent almost all of college um, being bummed out about chicks. And, uh-huh. you know, that's, Noble what music, that's what music is basically about, uh, or vice versa, of course, uh, gender-wise. Um, so there's an infinite number of options. Um, yeah, I think, I think what I really liked when picking a lyric for an aim away message was that it be, uh, cryptic a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. because even in that format, I was terrified to be too forward. So one of my favorites was, uh, well, I'm a tumbler from born under punches. Um, which is, (laughs) I don't even know what that means. Um, uh, I perhaps had some idea about how it had to do with the sense of constant emotional turmoil in my life at the time, um, which is so precious, but, uh, that was fun. You know, it was the kind of thing where it was, it was cool that like maybe two people I knew would understand the reference (laughs) I was making, um, you being one of them. Uh, and similarly with like, uh, uh, another one that was one I st- the, the, when I think of my old aim away messages the first one that comes to mind for me is life's a bummer when you're a Hummer life's a drag uh, from mm-hmm. Hummer by the Smashing mm-hmm. Pumpkins which I actually kind of like the way you, in the song Billy draws out the word drag as long as he possibly can um, I kind of like the way in plain text it just became a simple one syllable word that thudded at the end of the the triplet of lines um well yeah that's that's interesting that there is maybe a element to this where we are taking our favorite art and you know remixing it yeah uh, what's the non what's the non-dumb way to say remix um, oh it's a uh, recontextualized yeah yeah like we kind of were adding value to that art like and interpreting it um, absolutely through our own kind of, uh, you know, our own voice. Yeah. And again, because a large part of the audience for this uh, cryptic away message, which I'm sure none of them actually <laughs> absorbed in any way, <laughs> the, yes. fact that, the fact that it was totally new to them meant that the recontextualization actually hadn't a chance to do something. Like if I knew a lyric you dropped on me via that thing, I just placed it in the original context. But if I didn't know it, like that Not A Surf song, it became a whole other independent cultural touchstone for me. Um, If it was memorable enough. I'm not saying I know all of yours. Um, But uh, it's just a funny way to that these things (laughs) just transmit through culture in the most bizarre way. Um, Yeah. 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 So, Paul, I have a fun way to end this episode. Mm-hmm. Or to continue this discussion is that I, I found a file. Uh, yes. That, this that just this shows you the amount of time that I had to do nothing in college. <laughs> I mean, just the amount of time available to us then was just so <laughs> massive. I mean, and yet I was still doing every assignment at the last possible. Oh minute. yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, what I did is at the end of the fresh freshman year uh, of college, I actually I had so much fun with this art of away messages um, that I saved. I like because you could save them all. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what I did is like opened up each one 
and saved it into like mm-hmm. one HTML file, um, which I still have. Yes. Um, it's called away.html. <laughs> <laughs> so it, I, it's tempting to go through and read them all because some of them are really funny and dumb, but I'm going to stick to the music ones. Okay. And we're going to see what we find. Just to, to give people context, I'm a freshman at Georgetown. Uh, I'm uh, wearing cords all the time. It's the year <laughs> 2000. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, and I may or may not have still been obsessed with my high school girlfriend. Um, (laughs) wait, wait, Uh, off channel, you have to tell me which one. Anyway, go on. (laughs) Um, right. Um, um, and, uh, okay. So, uh, it was, uh, it was the shorter one. Um, (laughs) okay. I know. Okay. Um, (laughs) She knows too now. Yes. Anyway, go on. Um, <laughs> oh, she does not listen to this. Um, uh, you know, uh, okay. So uh, the the very first one is a Weezer W made with the equal sign W mm-hmm. equal. Uh, yes. less, And it just says less than 24 hours. So I think I was about to see Weezer. Um, yes. uh, then we have... All the so the, the subtle brag away message there. Yes. That's excellent. Humble, yeah. Humble brag before humble brag was a thing. Mm-hmm. We have all the world must know that I loved you so, especially mm-hmm. when you'd go away and leave me alone. <laughs> uh, classic from the pumpkins uh, pennies. Yes. Uh, and again, again, that classic like I'm bummed out, but. It's yeah. not like totally depressing what I'm putting in these lyrics, so yeah. it's not like I'm a bitch or anything. Um, and now, if we want totally depressing, the next one, again, courtesy of the Pumpkins, is uh, "And in my heart, I know you're there, and in my heart, I know you care, and in my heart, I know you're gone." <laughs> <laughs> I have no commentary. That's just, that's just um, such a. 20 year old man thing to do <laughs> absolutely um and yeah here's one that i'm i'm more proud of it's a uh, they got a message from the action man i'm happy hope you're happy too uh classic bowie um, oh okay um, yeah i have no idea what song that's from no clue um it's from the uh sequel to space odyssey ah. um uh which is uh what's it called ashes to ashes Okay. Um, where they they hear from the guy after like years, um, it's pretty cool. And I think a perfect circle was covering it then, which is how I heard of it. That makes much more sense. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> What's next? Let's see. Um, okay, I have to read through. Uh, I'm not going to read all of this, but it's uh, uh, it's. Uh, an entire verse from get me away from here i'm dying um Mm. that starts with i'll settle down with some old story about a boy who's just like me thought there was love in everything and everyone you're so naive (laughs) goes on from there again the same theme self-pitying it's it's self-pity is really i think what's going on with most of these um and i'm saying that as i did this too um but yeah. Uh, 
I have Billy Corgan saying, repeat after me, what the fuck is going on, which is from some <laughs> concert. Um, uh, I have uh, the uh, words, come to daddy, uh, oh, repeated, nice. repeated about 20 times, and then I want your soul just like see, in the middle of them see that's a clever one i love yes, that one yes that's that's perfect because it's like it's like a parody on the idea of putting lyrics in an away message in that mm-hmm. it's a song where all the lyrics are come to daddy and then occasionally i want your soul yeah um i was an artist yeah and uh so it's a parody of it but you 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 made it real by going 20 lines over of that one line and of course in the song it's varied every time and in the text format not at all so yes. i love it yes Brilliant. um on dead highways this black beauty roams mm. Mm. a lot of pumpkins a lot of pumpkins on. um uh sun moon stars rain not a lyric but that was i feel like i use that one the most e cummings yes yeah i remember that one very clearly and a totally classy choice yeah even more pretentious than art rock lyrics and yet um Mm -hmm. uh, totally respectable at the same time (sighs) this is just all pumpkins uh we have is it wonder i can't sleep all i have is all you gave to me Mm -hmm. uh and then we have uh a whole verse from farewell and good night um, on the occasion <laughs> of the smashing pumpkins last concert. It says 1988 ah. to 2000, the smashing pumpkins. <laughs> um, Brilliant. Uh, let's see. I'm going to send you this whole file afterwards. Cause it's hilarious. Oh, you have before and I can't wait to see it again. Yeah. Yes. Uh, life is funny, but nah, ha ha funny. Yes. A classic eels track. So good. Um, Peculiar, I guess. Uh, We have the lyrics from the Georgetown fight song. It's been so long since last we met. Lie down forever. Lie down. (laughs) That's that's a pretty good fight song lyric, actually. It's it's delightful. It's a delightful fight song. Especially Um, especially for a, a Catholic priest to be singing. The Georgetown fight song, yes. The Georgetown fight song is three different fight songs that they were like couldn't decide which one to do, so like they merged uh, them all together. So the song is just completely different throughout. Um, excellent, good stuff. Uh, let's see. Do 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 do. Let's see. A lot of meta messages about how I use SP quotes uh, as my away <laughs> message. Uh, we have uh, Starla Deer, please take me home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing how much pumpkins there was. I didn't realize. I, I wouldn't have guessed it was this heavily slanted towards the pumpkins. Uh, in my dreams, I'm dying all the time. It's a motherfucking Moby. Wow. Yeah, Moby, uh, feeling the love here. Here's a, here's one I'm proud of. Um, okay, I'm trying to drink away the parts of the day that I cannot sleep away. Yes, oh, yes. a classic. Yes, that's Thank that's you. that away message might be why I am a Modest Mouse fan, and it might be why I'm an indie rock fan now. Actually, it's, it's just the most perfect. Like it's such, yeah. I still think of like the college experience when I hear that. Yeah. <laughs> that <line>. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, Joe, do you want to, do you want to parse through the rest of them or I want to, no, well, I, I'm not bored, but, um, 
I think the theme here is yes. well captured yes. by the. We're only halfway through, so yes, we can. <laughs> you should post the rest sometime. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep reading through as we go through this and stop you if there's a really good one. Continue. Okay. I was just gonna uh, give one more shout out to our friend Jeremy Larson who inspired this discussion, mm-hmm. um, because at the he saved it for the last paragraph of his column. And he said, when I use AIM under the screen name Block Rockin' Beats, that's a B-E-E-T-S, which is the perfect dumbass AIM screen name. Um, My most popular away message, which I would like to know how he defines popularity other than popular with him. But um, my most popular away message was a Decembrist lyric. I am nothing of a builder, but here I dreamt I was an architect, which is like the perfect example of everything we're talking about here of just (laughs) utter pretension. Um, and you know, like, ah, behold my drama situation. And I'm not clowning on him. He like, he like makes the same points. Um, as he said, now look, it is scientifically, scientifically unfathomable to even imagine what kind of shame-free, conscience-free world I inhabited in the early OOs while I was feeling out how to express who I was on the internet for the first time. Like, that is exactly right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would die before I put something up like that now, but I totally would have done it in 2001. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. I think that, I think you judge the most, like, how he remembers this, I'm not sure, but, like, way messages were popular because you'd get like you get a ton of responses to them you'd like come oh, back yeah. and that little box would be full absolutely I th- um I, I love that in his article he was like that was a time when you could be away from the internet and i was like yeah my mind was just blown like thinking, I, I was like yes you could step away and be like i am i cannot access the internet <laughs> No, it really, I, that same thing struck me in the column. Was, I was like, oh, yeah, that's why we don't have an away message anymore, because we're not away. It's just there. Um, and I'm going to compulsively, gleefully respond if I do get a message, unless it's my boss or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yes. So, like, now people, yeah. yeah, yeah, people have to go on vacation and, like. Yeah, like, be like, oh. I'm turning off my phone, everybody. Yes. You won't be able to reach me. I know yes. it sounds strange. But it's true. Paul, there's like a dozen more Smashing Pumpkins away messages. <laughs> um, give, us, give us the best one you haven't read yet, Joe. Um, we'll, we'll well I found a couple that are good uh, okay. that aren't Smashing Pumpkins. Okay. Uh, we've got, I think this one fit well for the theme, which is, but I'm okay. How are you? Thanks for asking. Thanks for asking. Mm, yeah. It yeah. was strange that it took this long to get to Radiohead, actually. Yes. Um, we have, it's that West Coast way we live in, money, cars, weed, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the other classic, is the white guy ironically putting rap yes. lyrics up yes. thing. Um, and then we have one that I, I just love for its absurdity, which is Ruby, 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 Ruby Soho. <laughs> <laughs> Again, yeah, so those are the ones that are the least embarrassing in retrospect, are the ones that were just cryptic and weird. Um, um, Radiohead shows up again with je- with uh, a simple just don't leave, just don't leave oh, from wow. True Love Waits. Wow. A song only released last year, officially. It's been our lives a long time. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, all right, I think that's the perfect way to end it, Joe. Totally. Just, just don't leave. Yeah. 
Don't leave. Um, oh, wait, I have see. one more, and okay. which I'm bringing up because I was thinking of this song recently and how terrible this lyric was. Do you remember the band Zebraheads, Playmate of the Year? I vaguely remember this, I think, because the, you made me listen to it. The, the <laughs> like, the like kind of hammer of the chorus is i want to make this milky clear you're my playmate of the year ah that's disgusting <laughs> and terrible and you <laughs> use that, that as an away message <laughs> uh, wow uh, this has been fun aim rules so this podcast is now also in remembrance of hugh hefner um yes. yep. yep r.i.p you gross son of a bitch yeah um dirty man (laughs) everybody please follow us on twitter subscribe to us on itunes rate us on itunes review us on itunes email us at savagespot at gmail.com where you like our friend jim from minneapolis can be feted on the on air in the podcast or just im us dm us on twitter at savagespod and uh, we will be happy to uh, interact with you in any way you choose thanks for listening yeah, and uh, if you uh, follow us on Twitter, send us your best uh, away oh, message yes. quote. Absolutely. We will retweet anything that you tell us was an away message. You could put Nazi propaganda in there, and we will retweet it as long as you say it's an <laughs> aim away message. Um, yeah, honestly, we'll retweet anything anyone tweets us. That's not just bot spam. <laughs> true. Very true. Um, all right. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Some days are diamonds Some days are rocks Some doors are open Some roads are blocked Sundowns are golden Then fade away And if I never do You got a heart so, so-